Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief by Rick Riordan, Chapter 16, We Take a Zebra to Vegas. The war god was waiting for us in the diner parking lot. Well, well, he said, you didn't get yourself killed. You knew it was a trap, I said. Ares gave me a wicked grin. Bet that crippled blacksmith was surprised when he netted a couple of stupid kids. You look good on TV. I shoved his shield at him. You're a jerk! Annabeth and Glover caught their breaths. Ares grabbed the shield and spun it in the air like pizza dough. It changed from melting to a bulletproof vest. He swung it across his back. See that truck over there? He pointed to an 18-wheeler parker across the street from the diner. That's your ride. Take you straight to L.A. with one stop in Vegas. The 18-wheeler had a sign on the back, which I could read only because it was reverse printed, white on black. A good combination for dyslexia. Kindness International. Humane Zoo Transportation. Warning, live wild animal. I said, you're kidding. Aries snapped his fingers. The back door of the truck unlocked. Free ride, West Punk. Stop complaining. And here's a little something for doing the job. He slung a blue nylon backpack off his handlebars and tossed it to me. Inside were fresh clothes for all of us, 20 bucks in cash, a pouch full of golden drachmas, and a bag of double-stuffed Oreos. I said, I don't want your lousy... Thank you, Lord Aries, Grover interrupted, giving me his best red alert warning look. Thanks a lot. I gritted my teeth. It was probably a deadly insult to refuse something from a god, but I didn't want anything that Aries had touched. Reluctantly, I slung the backpack over my shoulder. I knew anger was being caused by the war god's presence, but I was still itching to punch him in the nose. He reminded me of every bully I ever faced. Nancy Barfit, Clarice, Melly Gabe, sarcastic teachers, every jerk who called me stupid in school, laughed at me when I got expelled. I looked back at the diner, which had only a couple of customers now. The waitress who served us dinner was watching nervously out the window, like she was afraid Aries might hurt us. She dragged the cook out from the kitchen to see. She said something to him. He nodded, held up a little disposable camera, and snapped a picture of us. Great, I thought. We'll make the papers again tomorrow. I imagined headlines. Twelve-year-old outlaw beats up defenseless biker. You owe me one more thing, I told Aries, trying to keep my voice level. You promised me information about my mother. You sure you can handle the news? He kick-started his motorcycle. She's not dead. The ground seemed to spin beneath me. What do you mean? I mean, she was taken away from the Minotaur before she could die. She was turned into a shadow of gold, right? That's metamorphosis. Not death. She's being kept. Kept? Why? You need to study war, punk. Hostages. You take somebody to control somebody else. Nobody's controlling me. He laughed. Oh, yeah? See you around, kid. I balled up my fist. You're pretty smug, Lord Ares, for a guy who runs from Cupid statues. Behind the sunglasses, fire glowed. I felt a hot wind in my hair. We'll meet again, Percy Jackson. Next time you're in a fight, watch your back. He waved his Harley, then rode off down Delancey Street. Annabeth said, That's not smart, Percy. I don't care. 
You don't want a god as your enemy, especially not that god. Hey guys, Grover said. I hate to interrupt, but he pointed towards the diner at the cash register. The last two customers were paying their bills. Two men in identical black overalls with a white logo on the back that matched the one of the kindness international truck. If we're taking the Zoo Express, Grover said, we need to hurry. I didn't like it, but we had no better option. Besides, I'd seen enough of Denver. We ran across the street and climbed in the back of the big lorry, closing the doors behind us. The first thing that hit me was the smell. It was like the world's biggest pan of kitty litter. The trailer was dark inside until I uncapped a lumusus. The blade cast a faint bronze light over a very sad scene. Sitting in a row of filthy metal cages were three of the most pathetic zoo animals I'd ever beheld. A zebra, a male albino lion, and some weird antelope thing I didn't know the name for. Someone had thrown the lion sack of turnip, which he obviously didn't want to eat. The zebra and the antelope had each got poly tray of hamburger meat. The zebra's mane was matted with chewing gum, like somebody had been spitting on it in their spare time. The antelope had a stupid silver birthday balloon tied to one of the horns that read over the hill. Apparently, nobody had wanted to get close enough to the lion to mess with him, but the poor thing was pacing around on soiled blankets in a space way too small for him, panting from the stuffy heat of the trailer. He had flies buzzing around his pink eyes, and ribs showed through his white fur. This is kindness, Grover yelled. Humane zoo transportation? He probably would have gone right back outside to beat up the truckers with his reed pipes, and I would have helped him. But just then, the truck engine roared to life. The trailer started shaking, and we were forced to sit down or fall down. We huddled together in a corner on some mild weed feed shacks trying to ignore the smell and the heat the flies grover talked to the animals in a series of goat bleeds but they just stared at him sadly annabeth was in favor of breaking the cages and freeing them on the spot but i pointed out it wouldn't do much good until the truck stopped moving besides i had a feeling we might look a lot better to the lion than those turnips i found a water jug and refilled their bowl, then used anima to drag the mismatched food out of their cages, and I gave the meat to the lion and the turnips to the zebra and antelope. Grover calmed the antelope down, while Annabeth used her knife to cut the balloon off of his horn. She wanted to cut the gum out of the zebra's mane, too, but we decided that would be too risky, with the truck bumping around. We told Grover to promise the animals we'd help them more in the morning. Then we settled in for the night. Grover curled up on a turnip sack. Annabeth opened a bag of double-stuffed Oreos and nibbled on one half-heartedly. I tried to cheer myself up by concentrating on the fact that we were halfway to Los Angeles, halfway to our destination. It was only June 14th. The solstice wasn't until the 21st. We could make it plenty of time. On the other hand, I had no idea what to expect next. The gods kept toying with me. At least Hephaestus had the decency to be honest about it. He'd put up cameras and advertised me as entertainment. But even when the cameras weren't rolling, I had feelings my quest was being watched. 
I was a source of amusement for the guys. Hey, Amber said, I'm sorry for freaking out back at the water park, Percy. That's okay. It's just she shuddered spiders because of the Arcane story, I guess. She got turned into a spider for challenging a mom to a weaving contest, right? Annabeth nodded. Arcane's children have been taking revenge on the children of Athena ever since. If there's a spider within a mile of me, it'll find me. I hate the creepy little spiders anyway. I owe you. We're a team, remember I said? Besides, Grover did the fancy flying thing. I thought he was asleep, but he mumbled from the corner. I was pretty amazing, wasn't I? Annabeth and I laughed. She pulled upon an oil and handed me half. In the Irish message, did Luke really say nothing? I munched on the, my cookie and thought about how to answer the conversation. Via Rainbow had bothered me all evening. Luke said you and he go way back. He also said Grover wouldn't fail this time. Nobody would turn into a pine tree. In the dim bronze light of the sword blade, it was hard to read their expressions. Grover let out a mournful bray. I should have told you the truth from the beginning. His voice trembled. I thought if you knew what a failure I was, you wouldn't want me along. You were the satyr who tried to rescue Thalia, the daughter of Zeus. He nodded glumly. And the other two half-bloods, Thalia befriended, the ones who got to camp. I looked at Annabeth. That was you and Luke, wasn't it? She put down her oil uneaten. Like you said, Percy, a seven-year-old half-blood wouldn't have made it very far. Alone, Athena guided me towards help. Thalia was twelve. Luke was fourteen. They'd both run away from home, like me. They were happy to take me with them. They were amazing monster fighters, even without training. We traveled north from Virginia without any real plans, fending off monsters for about two weeks before Grover found us. I was supposed to escort Thalia to camp, he said, sniffling. Only Thalia, I had strict orders from Chiron. Don't do anything that would slow down the rescue. We knew Hades was after her. See, I couldn't just leave Luke and Annabeth by themselves, I thought. I thought I could lead all three of them to safety. It was my fault the kindly ones caught up with us. I froze. I got scared on the way back to camp and took some wrong turns. If I'd just been a little quicker. Stop it, Annabeth said. No one blames you. Thalia didn't blame you either. She sacrificed herself to save us, he said miserably. Her death was my fault. The Council of Clothing Elders said so. Because you wouldn't leave two of the half-bloods behind, I said. That's not fair. Percy's right, Annabeth said. I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for you, Grover. Neither would Luke. We care what the... We don't care what the Council says. Grover kept sniffling in the dark. It's just my luck. I'm the lamest satyr ever, and I find the two most powerful half-bloods of the century, Valia and Percy. You're not lame, Annabeth insisted. You've got more courage than any satyr I ever met. Name one other who would dare go to the underworld. I bet Percy is really glad you're here right now. She kicked me in the shin. Yeah, I said, which I would have done even without the kick. It's not luck that you found Thalia and me, Grover. You got the biggest heart of any satyr ever. You're a natural searcher. That's why you'll be the one who finds Pan. I heard a deep, satisfied sigh. I waited for Grover to say something, but his breathing only got heavier. When sound turned to snoring, I realized he'd fallen asleep. How does he do that? I marveled. 
I don't know, Annabeth said. But that was a really nice thing you told him. I mean it. We rode in silence for a few miles, humping around on the feed sacks, the zebra munts on the turnips. The lion licked the last of the hamburger meat off his lips and looked at me hopefully. Annabeth rubbed her necklace like she was thinking, deep strategic thoughts. The pine tree beat, I said. Is that from your first year? She looked like she hadn't even realized what she was doing. Yes, he said. Every August, the counselors pick the most important event of the summer, and they paint it on the year beat. I've got Thalia's pine tree, a Greek termine on fire, a centaur in a palm dress. Now that was a weird summer. And the college ring. Is that your father's? That's none of your... She stops herself. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You don't have to tell me. No, it's okay. She took a shaky breath. My dad sent it to me, folded up in a letter two summers ago. The ring was like his main keepsake from Athena. He wouldn't have gotten through his doctoral program at Harvard without her. That's a long story. Anyway, he said he wanted me to have it. He apologized for being a jerk. Said he loved me and missed me. He wanted me to come home and live with him. That doesn't sound so bad. Yeah, well, the problem was, I believed him. I tried to go home for that school year, but my stepmom was the same as ever. She didn't want her kids put in danger by living with a freak monstrous attack. We argued. Monsters attack, we argued. I didn't even make it through winter break. I called Kyron and came right back to camp half-blood. You think you'll ever try living with your dad again? She wouldn't meet my eyes. Please, I'm not into self-inflicted pain. You shouldn't give up, I told her. You should write him a letter or something. Thanks for the advice, he said coldly. But my father made his choice about who he wants to live with. We passed another few miles of silence. So, if the gods fight, I said, will things line up the way they did in the Trojan War? Will it be Athena versus Poseidon? She put her head against the backpack Ares had given her and closed her eyes. I don't know what my mom will do. I just know I'll fight next to you. Why? Because you're my friend, seaweed brain. Any more stupid questions? I couldn't think of any for that. Fortunately, I didn't have to. Annabeth was asleep. I had trouble following her example. With Grover snoring and the albino lion staring hungrily at me. But eventually, I closed my eyes. My nightmare started out as something I dreamed a million times before. I was being forced to take a standardized test while wearing a straight jacket. All the other kids were going out to recess, and the teacher kept saying, Come on, Percy. You're not stupid, are you? Pick up your pencil. Then the dreams strayed from their usual. I looked over at the desk and saw a girl sitting there also wearing a straight jacket. She was my age, with unruly black hair, punk-style hair, the dark eyeliner around her stormy green eyes, and freckles across her nose. Somehow I knew who she was. She was Thalia, daughter of Zeus. She struggled against the straight jacket, glared at me in frustration, and snapped. Well, seaweed brain, one of us has to get out of here. She was right, my dream self thought. I'm going back to that cavern. I'm going to give Hades a piece of my mind. The straight jacket melted off me. I fell through the classroom floor. The teacher's voice changed until it was cold and evil, echoing from the depths of a great chasm. Percy Jackson said, Yes, the exchange went well, I see. I was back in the dark cavern, spirits of the dead drifting around me, unseen in the pit of monstrous things. 
was speaking, but this time it wasn't addressing me. The numbing power of its voice seemed directed somewhere else. And he suspects nothing, it asked. Another voice, one I almost recognized, answered at my shoulder. Nothing, my lord. He is as ignorant as the rest. I looked over. No one else was there. The speaker was invisible. Deception upon deception. The thing in the pit, mused aloud. Excellent. Truly, my lord, said the voice next to me. You are well named the crooked one, but was it really necessary? I could have bought you what I stole directly. You, the monster said in scorn, you have already shown your limits. You would have failed me completely. Bad. I'm not in the independent. But, my lord, peace, little servant. Our six months have bought us much. Zeus' anger has grown. Poseidon has played his most desperate card. Now we shall use it against them. Surely you shall have the reward you wish and your revenge as soon as both items are delivered into my hands. But, wait, he is here. What? The invisible servant suddenly sounded tense. You summoned him, my lord? No. The full force of the monster's attention was now playing over me, freezing me in place. Blast his father's blood. He is too changeable, too unpredictable. The boy brought himself but here. Impossible, the servant cried. For a weakling such as you, perhaps, the voice snarled. Then its cold power turned back to me. So, you wish to dream of your quest, young Hapless? Then I will oblige. The scene changed. I was standing in a vast throne room with black marble, walls and bronze floor. The empty, horrid throne was made from human bones, fused together, standing at the foot of the days with my mother, Frozen in shimmering gold light in her arm outstretched. I tried to step forward to her, but my legs wouldn't move. I reached for her only to realize that my hands were withering to bones. Bringing skeletons in Greek armor crowded around me, drapping me with silk robes, wreathing my head with laurels that smoked the chimera poison burning into my scalp. The evil voice began to laugh. Hail the conquering hero. I woke with a start. Grover was shaking my shoulder. The truck stopped, he said. We think they're coming to check on the animals. Hiding of us hissed. She had it easy. She just put on her magic cap and disappeared. Grover and I had to de- de- dive behind feed sacks and hope we looked like turnips. The trailer doors cracked open. Sunlight and heat poured in. Man, one of the truckers said waving his hand in front of his ugly nose. I wish I hauled appliances. He climbed inside and poured some water from a jug into the animal's dishes. You hot, big boy, he asked the lion, then splashed the rest of the bucket right in the lion's face. The lion roared in indignation. Yeah, yeah, the man said. Next to him, under the turnip sacks, drove a tent for a peace-loving herbivore. He looked downright murderous. The trucker threw the antelope a squash-looking Happy Meal bag. He smirked at the zebra. How you doing, Stripe? At least we're getting rid of one of you this stop. You like magic shows? You're going to love this one. They're going to saw you in half. The zebra, wild-eyed with fear, looked straight at me. There was no sound, but clear as day, I heard it say, Free me, my lord, please. I was too stunned to react. 
It was a loud knock. Knock, knock on the side of the trailer. The truck went inside. But then she yelled, What do you want, Eddie? A voice outside. It must have been Eddie shouted. Maurice, what'd you say? What are you banging for? Knock, knock. Outside, Eddie yelled, What banging? Oh God, Maurice rolled his eyes and went back outside, causing Eddie for being an idiot. A second later, Anna appeared next to me. She must have done the banging to get Maurice out of the trailer. She said, this transport business can't be legal. No kidding, Grover said. He paused as if listening. The lion says these guys are animal smugglers. That's right, the zebra said. In my mind, we gotta free them, Grover said. He and Annabeth both looked at me, waiting for my lead. I heard the zebra talk, but not the lion. Why? Maybe it's another learning disability. I could only stand zebras. Then I thought about horses. What Annabeth said about Poseidon creating horses? The zebra close enough to a horse? Was that why I could understand it? The zebra said, Open my cage, Lord, please. I'll be fine after that outside. Eddie and Maurice were still yelling at each other, but I knew they'd coming inside and torment the animals again any minute. I grabbed the ties, slapped the lock off the zebra's cage. The zebra burst out. It turned to me and bowed. Thank you, my thank you, Lord. Grover held up his hand and said something to the zebra in goat talk, like a blessing. Just as Maurice was poking his head back inside to check the noise, the zebra leaped over him and into the street. There was yelling and screaming and cars honking. We rushed to the doors of the trailer in time to see the zebra galloping down a wide boulevard lined with hotels and casinos. The neon sign, we just released a zebra in Las Vegas. Maurice and Eddie ran after it with a few policemen running after them, shouting, Hey, you need a permit for that. Now would be a good time to leave, Annabeth said. The other animals first, Grover said. I cut the locks with my sword. Grover raised his hands and spoke the same goat blessing he'd used for the zebra. Good luck, I told the animal. The antelope and the lion burst out of their cages and went off together into the street. Some tourists screamed. Most just backed off and took pictures, probably thinking it was some kind of stunt by one of the casinos. Will the animals be okay, I asked Grover. I mean, the desert and all? Don't worry, he said. I play Satan's sanctuary on them. Meaning, meaning, they'll reach the wild safely, he said. They'll find water, food, shade, whatever they need until they find a safe place to live. Why can't you place a blessing like that on us, I asked. It only works on wild animals. So it would only affect Percy, Annabeth reason? Hey, I protested. Kidding, he said. Come on, let's get out of this filthy truck. We stumbled onto the desert afternoon. It was 40 degrees. Easy, and we must have looked like deep fried vagrants that everybody was too interested in the wild animals to pay us much attention. We passed the Monte Carlo, the MGM. We passed the pyramids, a pirate ship, and the Statue of Liberty, which was a pretty small replica, but still made me homesick. I wasn't sure what we were looking for. Maybe just a place to get out of the heat for a few minutes, find a sandwich and a glass. Of lemonade make a new plan for going west we must have been taking a wrong turn because we found ourselves at a dead end standing in front of the large hotel and casino entrance a huge neon flower the petals lighting up and blinking 
No one was going in or out, but glittering chrome doors were open, spilling out air, conditioning the smell like flowers, lotus blossom. Maybe I'd never smell one, so I wasn't sure. The doorman smiled at us. Hey, kids, you look tired. You want to come in and sit down? I'd, I'd learned to be suspicious the last week or so. I figured anybody might be a monster or a god. You just couldn't tell. But this guy was normal. One look at him and I could see. Besides, I was so relieved to hear somebody who sounded sympathetic that I nodded and said, we'd love to come inside. We took one step look around and Glover said, whoa, the whole lobby was a giant game room and I'm not talking about cheesy old Pac-Man games or slot machines. There was an indoor water slide snaking around the glass elevator which went straight up at least 40 floors. There was climbing walls on the side of one building and an indoor bungee jumping bridge. There was a virtual reality suit while working laser guns and a hundred of video games, each one of the size of a widescreen TV. Basically, you name it, this place had it. There were a few other kids playing, but not not that many. No waiting for any of the games. There was a waitress and a snack bar all around, serving every kind of food you can imagine. Hey, a bellhop said. At least I guess he was a bellhop. He wore a white and yellow Hawaiian shirt and Lotus designed shorts. Flip flops. Welcome to the Lotus Casino. Here's your room key. I said, um, but no, 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 he said laughing. The bill's taken care of. No extra charge. No tips. Just go on up. Top floor of him. Four, 400i. If you need anything like extra bubbles for the hot tub or the skeet targets for the shooting range or whatever, just call the front desk. Here are your Lotus cast cards. They'll work in the restaurant on all the games, rides. He handed us each a green plastic credit card. I knew there must be some mistake. Obviously, he thought we were some millionaire kids. But I took the card and said, how much is on here? His eyebrows knit together. What do you mean? I mean, when does it run out of cash? He left. Oh, you're making a joke. Hey, that's cool. Enjoy your day. We took the elevator upstairs and checked out our room. It was a suite with three separate bedrooms and a bar stocked with candy, sodas, and crisps. A hotline to a room so as fluffy towels and water beds and feather pillows, a big screen television with satellite and high-speed internet. The balcony had its own hot tub, and sure enough, there was a skeet shooting machine and a shotgun so you could launch clay pigeons right at over Las Vegas skyline and plug them with your gun. I didn't see how that could be legal, but I thought it was pretty cool. The view over the strip in desert was amazing, though. I doubt we ever have time to look at the view with a room like this. Oh, goodness, Amos said. This place is sweet, Glover said. Absolutely sweet. There were clothes in the closet, and they fitted me. I frowned, thinking that this was a little strange. I threw Aries' backpack in the trash can. Wouldn't need that anymore. When we left, I could just change a new one at the hotel. I took a shower, which felt awesome. After a week of grimy travel, I changed clothes, ate a bag of crisps, drank three Cokes, and came out feeling better than I had in a long time. In the back of my mind, some small part kept nagging me. I had a dream or something. I needed to talk to my friend. 
but I was sure it was Kuwait. I came out of the bedroom and found that Annabeth and Glova had also showered and changed clothes. Glova was eating crisps to his heart content, while Annabeth cranked up National Geographic Channel. All those stations, I told her, and you can turn on National Geographics? Are you insane? It's interesting. I feel good, Glover said. I love this place. Without his even realizing, and the wings sprouted out of his shoes and lifted him foot off the ground, then back down again. So what now, Annabeth asked. Sleep? Glover and I looked at each other and grinned. We both held up green lotus cast cards. Playtime, I said. I couldn't remember the last time I had so much fun. I came from a relatively poor family. Our idea of a splurge was eating out at a Burger King and renting a video. A five-star Vegas hotel? Forget it. I bungee jumped the lobby five or six times, did the water slide, snowboarded, the artificial ski slope, and played virtual reality laser tag and FBI sharpshooters. I saw Grover a few times from game game to game. He really liked the reverse hunting thing, where the deer go out and shoot the rednecks. I saw Annabeth playing trivia games and other brainiac stuff. They had this huge 3D sim game where you build your own city and you could actually see the holographic building lying on the display board. I didn't think much of it, but Annabeth loved it. I'm not sure when I first realized something was wrong. Probably it was when I noticed a guy standing next to me at the VR Shapeshooters, he was about 13, I guess, but his clothes were weird. I thought he was some Elvis impersonator son. He wore bell bottoms and a red t-shirt and a black piping, and his hair was permed and gelled like a New Jersey girl on homecoming night. We played games of super together, and he said, Groovy, man, been here two weeks, and the game keep getting better and better. Groovy? Later, while we were talking, I said something, rocked, and looked at me kind of puzzled, as if he'd never heard of the word used that way before. He he said his name was Darren, but as soon as I started asking him questions, he got bored with me and started to go back to the computer. I said, hey, Darren, what? What year is it? He frowned at me. In the game? No, in real life. He had to think about it. It's 1977. No, I said, getting a little scared. Really? Hey, man. Bad vibes. I got a game happening. After that, he totally ignored me. I started talking to people, and I found it was easy. They were It wasn't easy. They were glued to the TV screen or the video game or their food or whatever. I found a guy who told me it was 1985. Another guy told me it was 1993. They all claimed they hadn't been here very long. A few days, a few weeks, and most, they didn't even know that they didn't care. Then it occurred to me, how long had I been here? It seemed like only a couple of hours, but was it? I tried to remember why we were here. We were going to Los Angeles. We were supposed to find the entrance to the underworld. My mother, for a scary second, I had trouble remembering her name. Sally. Sally Jackson. I had to find her. I had to stop Hades from causing World War Three. I found Annabeth still building her city. Come on, I told her. We gotta get out of here. No response. I shook her. Annabeth! She looked up annoyed. What? We need to leave. Leave? What are you talking about? I just got the towers. This place is a trap. She didn't respond until I shook her again. What? Listen, the underworld are quest? Oh, come on, Percy. Just a few more minutes. Annabeth, there are people here from 1977. Kids who have 
never age. You check in, you stay forever. So, Siak, can you imagine a better place? I grabbed her wrist and yanked her away from the game. Hey, she screamed and hit me, but nobody else even bothered looking at us. They were too busy. I made her look directly in my eyes. Spiders, large, hairy spiders. That jarred her, her vision clear. Oh my god, she said. How long have we... I don't know, but we gotta find Glover. We went searching and found him, still playing virtual deer hunter. Glover, we both shouted. He said, die, human, die. Silly pollution, nasty person. Glover, he turned the plastic gun on me and started cooking as if I were another image from the screen. I looked at Annabeth, and together we took Glover by the arms and dragged him away. His flying shoes sprang to life and started tugging his leg the opposite direction and shouted, No, I just want to go to a new level. No, the Lotus Bill Hop hurried to us. Well, now are you ready for the platinum cards? We're leaving, I told him. Such a shame, he said. I got the feeling that he really meant it. We'd be breaking his heart if we went. We just added a new floor full of games for platinum card members. He held out the cards, and I wanted to. I knew that if I took one, I'd never leave. I'd stay here, happy forever, playing games forever, and soon I'd forget my mom and my quest, and maybe even my own name. I'd be playing virtual rifleman with groovy disco down forever. Grover reached for the card, but Annabeth yanked back his arm and said, No thanks! We walked towards the door, and as we did, the smell of the food and sounds of game seemed to get more and more inviting. I thought about our room upstairs. We could just stay the night, sleep in a real bed for once. Then we burst through the door to the Lotus Casino and ran down the sidewalks. I felt the afternoon, about the same time of the day we'd gone into the casino, but something was wrong. The weather had completely changed. It was stormy, with heat lightning flashing out in the desert. Ellie's backpack was slung over my shoulder, which was odd because I was sure I had thrown it in the trash can in room 400i, but at the moment I had other problems to worry about. I ran to the nearest newspaper stand and read the year first. Thank God it was the same year it had been when we went in. Then I noticed the date, June 20th. We had been in the Lotus Casino for five days. We only had one day left until the summer solstice. One day to complete our quest.